As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So before we get started here, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you go over to rocketship.fm, we have completely redesigned the site and introduced a really easy way to keep up with these series where we're including the interviews and the series episodes all on one really elegant page. So you can quickly browse um, and listen to the whole series at once if that's easier than on your podcast device. So today we have an interview with John Shoemate, who is the CEO of Venture First. Now, Venture First is a financial financial services group that's focused on helping entrepreneurs. So they work with entrepreneurs, they work with venture capital firms. Um, Oftentimes they're helping entrepreneurs raise their seed round. They're a little bit farther along. They may be helping them negotiate a acquisition or a merger. So we get a really interesting perspective on looking at the VC economy uh, from the the kind of the outside in. So stay tuned. You're really going to enjoy this one. 
Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales, and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Goldman. All right. Well, um, yeah, I mean, first, thank you so much for coming on, especially with short notice. I'm glad we could grab you here. Yeah, no problem. Um, tell me a bit about Venture First and what you guys are doing there. Uh, yeah, so uh, Venture First is uh, does a lot of the same investment banking activities that the big boys do, uh, but we're, we're a little bit less traditional. Um, so we're, we're typically uh, trying to deliver those activities for early stage technology and healthcare companies. Okay. Um, and also working with investors in early stage companies. So whether it's a seed or angel investor or, or larger venture capital groups. And then, you know, services, you know, we do, we do a lot, we end up getting to know a lot of the venture capital groups because we do a lot of their valuation work, Mm. uh, whether that's pricing options or valuing their portfolios or pricing around or whatever it is. Um, And and then, so for the entrepreneurs, we end up, uh, you know, helping them get ready to raise capital or you know, uh, for, for, for larger, uh, larger early stage companies do an acquisition or, or maybe eventually, uh, be sold. What are some of the trends that you're seeing in the industry around funding, funding sizes and, you know, different rounds that companies are able to raise? Well, uh, I, I think, I think for the past few years, um, a lot of, a lot of funds have poured into the venture space, mm. Um, and, uh, probably temporarily, uh, with a little bit less accountability, uh, from, um, you know, for, for the general partners in those funds. Um, but w- which I think is actually, uh, going to dry up a little bit. So I, I think we've, we've seen, uh, the, the, the sizes of rounds that is dollars invested grow, um, and I, I think we've seen valuations for most early stage companies tick up a little bit. I, I think we've seen valuations for obviously for the unicorns, the household names that you hear. Uh, I think most people would agree completely inflated. And that is probably a bubble. Okay. Um, but I, I don't believe that uh, that that is necessarily the case for, for, for other early stage companies. Do you think that bubble will affect, um, you know, those early stage companies today or not today, but that are looking to raise soon? If I'm not saying like a catastrophic event, but you know, if, if more and more people are kind of convinced that it's, it's overvalued at that, at that unicorn stage. I don't think for most early stage companies that the bubble is going to pop. Okay. I think that there could be a contagion, for from some of that hysteria from the unicorns where a little bit of the air is let out of the bubble. Um, and so, you know, valuations might not be as aggressive, but look at the end of the day, if you're developing the next cancer therapeutic or the next great piece of software and there's a use and there's a market, uh, you know, there's a value for that. Right. Yeah. That's great to hear. Um, there's so much scarce, you know, I guess scare talk, um, out there today, but, um, yeah, so we're here to kind of talk about, um, 
negotiating closing deals. And um, I'd love to hear where do you start with with young entrepreneurs um, teaching them about that negotiation process? Well, I've always said I, I really believe on the negotiation side and the in the deal side in general that, that that so much of it starts with with personality and with relationship with the investor or with the potential investor. And um, I will tell you when two parties have common ground and and get along and. Uh, believe that one another are going to be good partners in the deal, uh, um, it's easier to get a deal done and the terms are less onerous, that people are mm. trying to find fewer protect- protections when they trust someone. So I, you know, I, I think it always starts with people. And are there things that you know, people do that you know, lose trust or, you know, potentially could create a, I I guess the wrong impression. Uh, Yes. I, you know, I, I think, uh, I think too often, even some very sophisticated entrepreneurs don't listen Mm. and, you know, investors want to believe that, you know, whatever path they go down with you, and there's always going to be an obstacle. If they go down a path with you and there's a problem, are, are you going to uh, are you going to play well in the sandbox? Are you going to at least listen to their advice and take some coaching? And I've seen very smart, very successful entrepreneurs who had past successes go out and try to do a round with terms that were probably reasonable, with a valuation that was probably reasonable. Uh, and they were abrasive and it was their way or the highway. And mm. they, they didn't seem like they were going to take any coaching at all. And, uh, and that doesn't play well. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the, the things that, um, you know, people get caught up on when they're, when they're either, when they're negotiating, uh, the deal that maybe they shouldn't be, but, well, I, I think the big thing is is, is obviously entrepreneurs get, get caught up on uh, on dilution, and they say, "Wow, you know, I'm giving up this big chunk of the company, and you know, by the time we do a few rounds, I'm, you know, at some point, I, I'm not going to be the, the the majority shareholder, and uh, and that's scary, and and, and I understand that, um, but I've I've seen entrepreneurs, you know, squabble over a couple points of dilution here or there. Um, and, you know, they end up not raising enough cash or, or, or being so tight on the terms um, that they don't, um, they don't realize for most entrepreneurs, if, if, if they get enough cash and they knock it out of the park, it's going to be a life-changing event, mm-hmm. and the biggest the biggest reason that early stage companies fail, uh, good ones fail, is because they run out of cash. So th- I would say that's the big one on the entrepreneur side. O- on the investor side, uh, you know, similarly, I, I I've seen I've seen investors try to put terms out there that that don't leave a lot of additional meat on the bone. And, you know, you want to make sure you're, you're, and 
you know, whether it's with, with options or with bonus or additional upside or, you know, topping the, topping the entrepreneur off uh, on each round, you know, make sure they're excited to come in every day because in reality, you know, you're, you're, you're betting on them. Are there things that, um, you know, an entrepreneur can ask for in these negotiations that, you know, maybe, you know, certain things might be off the table, but like you mentioned, you know, topping them off and, and different kinds of bonuses in the rounds um, that, you know, maybe they're not even aware of that's an, an option right now? Sure. I mean, one of the things that you can do, I mean, most investors will try to come in with a, a participating preferred structure. So, you know, just for a refresher, what yeah. that means is that upon a liquidity event, the investor gets their money back first, typically with a dividend, and then whatever's left over, they participate with again with the with management and and whoever else is on the cap table. So it, th- there's a little bit of a double dip there. Okay, and and this is this is you know, a holdover from later stage private equity that they've started to venture for, for a good while now. And, and now even angel investors try to do this, but something sometimes you can push back on is asking for a convertible preferred. So that's, it's, it's, it's either or if it's not a good scenario and, and otherwise the investor wouldn't get their money back in a ratable split, then they have a floor. They get their money back plus the dividend. But if, it, if they would have done well or done better with just a simple ratable split of the pie, then, then, then that's where they convert and, and they participate just like everyone else. And so it, it feels like you're more in the sandbox with everyone else. And so I always encourage uh, entrepreneurs to, to negotiate for that if they can. Mm-hmm. And, and, and some groups some, simply won't do it. Interesting. Okay. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att. Com. That's business.att.com. Um, and and what is that? I mean, I, I, can you break that down a little bit more for me? Because I'm actually not that familiar with um, some of the terminology there, um, like how they're breaking off a dividend and, um, you know, how does that, that work? And if it's too complex, I totally understand. Sure. But, so why don't I just use an example? Okay. So I'm going to use a simple example. So let's say... Uh, that uh, uh, a venture capital group invests a million dollars for, for, for round numbers. And, and, and let's say that they have, uh, you know, uh, a 10% uh, accumulating annual dividend. And let's say they're asking for what's known as participating preferred. So um, if, if a company sold uh, for say $10 million, uh, they would get first, they would get back and let's say it's sold two years out, right? So they'd invest a million at a 10% dividend. They'd accrued a hundred thousand a year. So if it's sold two years out from that deal, 
they would first get back their million two. And then whatever's left over, let's say they owned, you know, 20% of that, they would then again share in that 20% of the, of the additional deal. Okay. But I'm saying on the convertible preferred, it, it, it's either or. So uh, if, if their uh, proceeds just dividing the pie evenly among everybody, no, mm-hmm. no, no uh, last in, first out, so to speak. If they just divided the pie evenly, uh, and, and that share was more than a million two, that's all they would get. That's the same amount that they would have gotten in addition to the million two in the conv- in the participating preferred example. Okay. But, but if let's say the company only sold for two million dollars, yeah. So th- there wouldn't be enough to go around. They would just get their million two. I see. I see. So it incentivizes a better liquidity event, a larger equi- liquidity event, and kind of puts the the motivations in the right places. I think that's right. It 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 says, look, if if we don't do well. We're going to protect your investor capital. We're going to try to get that back first. Right. But if we do well, we're all going to participate on the same terms. Right. Right. Very cool. Um, yeah, I hadn't heard that before. That's that's really interesting. Um, what are some what are some tips for closing the deal um, with an investor when you're when you have that term sheet and you're negotiating the you know in the final stages? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. O- oversubscribe your round. Okay. <laughs> get, 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 get so many people looking at it that it becomes a hysteria and that's easy, easier said than done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but you know, re- really, really the tip, uh, you know, it, it, it is fine. Finding a good, finding a good lead who really understands your space, know, knows how they're going to be able to, to drive value and, 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 and help you grow things. Um, and then everybody else follows. So that's, you know, th- that's kind of, uh, you know, the most important thing, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of rounds where there, there, there's, there's more, uh, investors you want to invest than there, than there's capital that's needed, but no one wants to step and be, and, and be that lead. Uh, so that's important. Um, you know, other other tips, I, I think while you're in a round, uh, if you can, uh, you know, continually, you know, win on the operational side and give them updates and say, hey, we just closed this big deal, by the way, you know, hey, you know, we're talking to this big customer, you know, keep, keep feeding them, uh, you know, strong potential information and then and then and then play them off one another, you know. You know, even if you're just in talks with someone else, you know, tell them that you're in advanced talks and, mm. you know, you really like them. But, you know, these guys don't want to, I mean, a lot of the venture community is, is sort of, they're sort of, you know, frenemies, so to speak, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, they, you know, they'll co-invest in deals. They go to conferences together. They know these guys and they know one another, but they don't want that next awesome deal going to their competitor over there. So building that hysteria, however you can figure out doing it, and, and 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 people know how to do this. Even if this is your first rodeo in business, I mean it's like it's like the dating scene, right? I mean mm-hmm. when 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 everybody wants to you know date that one attractive girl, 
uh, you know, everybody's everybody's uh, knocking on their doors. So. <laughs> when you're, I mean, one of the the hardest things for entrepreneurs to kind of wrap their head around is valuations. Um, how do you look at valuing an early stage company? Well, you know, as, as Mark Cuban says, it's <laughs> the value of a, of a company, at least from an investment standpoint, is is only as good as the cash that you're eventually going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you value different, different, um, different early stage companies differently dep- depending upon industry. But at the end of the day, the commonality is um, that it's all based upon what you're going to make in the future. You're, you're certainly not going to be at the earliest stage. Uh, let's say you're pre-revenue. You're certainly not going to be valued on a revenue multiple yet or an earnings or a EBITDA or earnings multiple yet. Uh, you're going to be, uh, it's going to be a discounted cash flow. thinking about, you know, what you're going to, what you're going to make in the future. And, you know, what, if you model it out several years, uh, you know, and think about, you know, if you're, a pharmaceutical company, depending on what you're doing, maybe you're, you know, three to five times revenue in the future. And, you know, depending on, uh, you know, what technology you, you're, you're running, you know, maybe you're, you know, two to four times, or maybe you're able to eventually sell to a strategic for way more than that. Mm-hmm. But at the end, at the end of the day, what an investor is calculating is what kind of return they're going to be able to get on their investment. So once you look forward to the point that they've been diluted, you know, what percentage of the company do you think they're going to own out there and, 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 and what's the return on their investment? And, you know, if you're, if you are uh, a seed investor, uh, you're probably looking to get, uh, you know, six or more times your money back. If you're uh, an angel investor, you're probably looking to get four or five times your money back. And, you know, with, with the, the mix of companies that they have, most venture capital groups are, are, are trying to at least beat that 35% mark. So you can kind of back into those numbers to try to figure out what works. Now, depending on your geography, <laughs> there's, probably, there's probably some rules of thumb. Um, you know, if you're uh, if you're in the Midwest, uh, you know, an, an angel round, uh, you know, might, you know, a lot of the investors might feel like, you know, that's a three million dollar pre money valuation, mm-hmm. and sometimes that same company in Silicon Valley might get twice that valuation or more. Um, so some of it does depend on your geography and who you've been able to network in with. Okay. Interesting. What, um, is it okay? I mean, should everyone go to San Francisco or is it okay to take that lower evaluation with the local investors in your market? Yeah, I, I actually don't think everyone should go to San Francisco and, and, and there, and there's, uh, uh, people that would disagree with me squarely about this, but you know, there, there's, there's some great, and, and I love San Francisco by the way, but the, you know, I, I'll also tell you, San Francisco is one of the most expensive cities to live in. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, you can uh, you can park in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, for example, which has a, a great growing early stage scene right now. And if you're a music fan, you can go listen to music as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, for some for some startups, 
it's less than half. It might be a third of the cost to get going. I mean, hiring talent is a third of the cost. Rent is a third of the cost. Technology costs are probably about the same. But depending on what your business is, you know, th- those costs matter. So while you might take a slightly lower valuation, <laughs> you might be able to steer much easy, much more mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. No, that's true. And you're, you're also, you could be the big fish in your pond. I mean, you could be. Absolutely. Kind of and, and, the re- and, the, and, and, the, and the really great companies there, I mean, they're just kind of rock stars. You yeah. know, there's, there, there, there's, a, there's, you know, in the Valley, there, there, there's all these brilliant people. And, and for some companies, that's a reason to go there. Mm-hmm. If you need a big base of talent, it's easy to find it there. But it's, hard, it's really hard to be the darling. And uh, in, in the middle of the country, it's a lot easier to be the darling. And you can attract investors that way. And by the way, it, it doesn't have to be either or. There are more and more Silicon Valley investors are realizing that there's diamonds in the rough in the middle of the country. And you mm-hmm. look at, you look at you know, funds like Drive Capital in Columbus, which are some former Sequoia guys who realized that there's all these great deals that are getting missed in the middle of the country. And they started a, you know, $250 million fund. And I think they just raised an additional fund to go after those. So, you know, sometimes you can do the best of both worlds. Yeah, sure. Um, so what are, what are some things that you're excited about that you're seeing in the venture market today? Well, uh, th- th- there's all, there's always, new and exciting things. I, I think, um, I, I think on the biotech side, uh, you're, you're seeing, um, you know, lots of great, uh, you know, uh, you know, cir- circulating cell diagnosis technologies that are really exciting that that'll diagnose people earlier for diseases. You know, I, I think you're seeing the, the beginning of the proliferation of, of, uh, genetics, uh, uh, testing and, and protocols where uh, uh, companies are trying to, to customize your cancer treatment, for example, uh, based on sequencing your cancer genome. Um, and, and I think that stuff is, is really exciting, uh, you know, not, not, not just from a business perspective, but for mankind. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, obviously the, the connected inter- internet of things, so to speak, I mean, there's always new cool stuff uh, coming out. Uh, there's one that I saw recently that I liked. Uh, is called is called Mellow, and it's a it's a sous vide cooker. So you can you can uh, you you put your you know food in this packet and and and, and it and, uh, and and you drop it in the water and and you you know leave for the day and whenever uh, you set it for the timer, or you're on your way home. You let it know, and you you have this. Uh, sort of gourmet hot meal cook for you when you come home. Wow. I mean, there's just a lot of cool stuff coming out. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Cause sometimes it feels like everything's been done and then yet we're like barely cracking the surface other times. Um, it's, it's kind of incredible. No, I mean, we're, 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 we're accelerating at a faster rate. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, completely drink the, the Ray Kurzweil Kool-Aid, but Probably eighty percent of it, and you know we're 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 growing at a faster rate. It's funny. I had dinner with my mother the other evening, and 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 we were said something about her uh, 
you know, it's funny because she, she's 72 and she's got this big iPhone 6 Plus that she can barely hold in her hand. <laughs> she was asking how to do something. And she said, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up with these. And I said, Mom, I didn't either. <laughs> You know, and, and I'm I'm fairly young, but I, I didn't either. And uh, it, it, you know, this is this is all new stuff. If you think about how long smartphones have been around, it, they're still relatively new. Yeah. And uh, and, and so, that, and now you're adding wearables and all sorts of other things to it. So so it, it's 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 really an exciting time, uh, you know, to to be an innovator, or even to be a consumer. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So where do we, where do we keep up with you, um, and venture first online? Sure. So you can check out venture first at venturefirst.com and, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's John Shumate underscore. Perfect. Yeah. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate you, you coming on here today. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again to John Shoemate for coming on, especially with such short notice. I think it was like the next day he jumped on after we reached out. If you want to keep up with Venture First or find out more about what they're doing, go to VentureFirst.com. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Optimizer WP, that's OptimizerWP.com, and Chargebee. You can check them out at Chargebee.com forward slash rocket ship. We're going to continue on Wednesday with the final episode in this funding series. We'll have one more interview on Sunday, but the last episode will be Wednesday, and that'll all be on the current state of venture capital today. Please subscribe on whatever podcast player you're listening to, and make sure to leave us a review. It helps out so much. And if you haven't yet, follow us on Twitter at RocketshipFM. You can follow me at Michael Saka and Joel at Joel Goldman. We'll see you in just a couple days. Please subscribe. Bye bye.